Welcome to the Proclaim Podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Our hosts are Brett Powell, Heather Kim, Jason Jensen, Eric Chow, and Amber Zolk. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Proclaim Podcast, and we have another very special guest. Vernon Robertson is with us today, and Jason and I were wondering, how do we introduce Vernon? And this is what I'll say about Vernon. I hope I don't put you on the spot there, buddy. Mm. When we started talking about this movement, one of the things that became very clear is that a movement like this is obviously something that erupts from the Holy Spirit, something that is aligned to the wishes of the Archbishop. Obviously, this goes right up to Pope Francis and his call for the extraordinary month of mission. But there's another nuance, which is a movement like this is built on the shoulders of giants. That is, people that have heroically lived out the gospel life, the mission of evangelization and everything, perhaps for decades before. And really, Vernon would fit in that category, Mm -hmm. you know, on the shoulders of giants. Vernon's been involved in ministry for a very long time, uh, involved in different aspects of it. He had the Catholic evangelization training ministries. He was instrumental in bringing Alpha for the first wave of Alpha a number of years ago into the diocese charismatic community, all different kinds of things, serves on boards. He's been on Renewal Ministries board. He's been on CCO board. And uh, he's got his EW10 program, uh, praying for your sons and daughters and loved ones. So there's just so much ministry there. And um, he doesn't like me talking about him. That's why he's, he's a little embarrassed right now. But God has used Vernon in powerful ways, and we're very blessed to have him. So Vernon, thanks for coming and being on this. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for the invites. Yeah. So, yeah, we'd love to, with go. all our guests, we um, want to do a short section. Um, we wish we could talk about the whole podcast every time, but we want to just hear a little bit about your, it doesn't have to be your initial encounter, but one of the primary encounters that you've had with Jesus and mm-hmm. um, where you kind of met him in a new way. So, okay. well, I'll, I'll give you the first encounter. Mm-hmm. Raised in a non-Christian home in Scotland, baptized as a Presbyterian as a baby no church two or three times in 20 years came to canada met my irish catholic wife started going to mass after a few years i thought um i need to know, know more about this for my kids and that so i went through some kind of instruction for which you know the first priest died not because of the instruction he just died <laughs> <laughs> and then his assistant took over and he was overwhelmed he says okay we're going to put you through so i had conditional baptism hmm. first confession on saturday Next day, I had Holy Communion Eucharist, but I was sacramentalized, not evangelized. Mm-hmm. So I lived like that for four years, like cultural Catholicism. I was invited to a Life in the Spirit seminar, and, at first, and I started to seek God. I was working with two Baptists who were very anti-Catholic, but that drove me to start reading God's Word, to discuss with them. Anyway, I'm invited to a Life in the Spirit seminar. Mm-hmm. I go there the very first night, the priest, Father Joe Ponty, God rest his soul. He's, mm-hmm. he's got a blackboard. He draws a circle on the blackboard. And for anybody that's listening, listen up to this. This is for you as well as it was for myself that night. Drew a circle. He says, the circle is your heart. Mm -hmm. Then he put a chair in the middle of the circle. He says, the chair is the center of your heart. Here's the question. Who's sitting on the chair in the center of your heart? And that word just broke into my life. It was like, oh, my goodness. Mm. It's all I thought I was doing God favors. 
the way I was living, but it was just like this. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's who he is. That led me on the through the seminar, and four weeks later, on a Saturday night in the basement of St. Pat's Parish, in uh, Vancouver, which is no longer there. It's it's now another building. Uh, I'm at this prayer meeting, and they're praying over people for different things, and I go forward to be prayed over. And as they prayed for me, the power of God just came upon me and I experienced, you know, God just flowing through me. And then the lady says, we're going to finish now with the Our Father. And they finished. And and I just waited like there's something else. They dispersed. And the two women and the two young men who were headed to the seminary, they're now priests, they came around me. Hmm. And the woman spoke prophetically to me. She says... "Um, and during this time, I'm feeling this, two things I'm feeling. I'm feeling being plunged into the love of God because before I went forward in my mind's eye, I went to the cross at Calvary and I said, Lord, here I am. Forgive me my sins, come into my heart, take over my life, do whatever you want to do with me. Mm-hmm. So as I prayed that, I experienced his power. But in that, I experienced his unconditional love and acceptance. I felt like I was plunged into the love of God. He knew every single thing. Mm-hmm. Every impure act, every profane, he knew it all. He saw it th- right through me. And I was experiencing this sense of, of his presence like that. And then she spoke and she says, um, from the Lord, I've loved you with an everlasting love. You are mine. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I call you to go proclaim the news, the good news to those who are in the abyss. Know that I'm with you all days. And as she spoke, it was like a physical indentation in my heart, these words. And that right there was it. Monday morning, I go to work. I ring the doorbell. The, who comes to open the door? The Baptist. <laughs> I haven't said anything. I go in. He says, what happened to you? Wow. I says, I met Jesus Saturday night. I can tell. You, at least there's one Catholic who's born again. <laughs> Picked my dad up two days later. Vancouver airport. Never said a word. An avowed atheist. Drove him home to North Van. We go into the house. He says, Vernon. What's happened to you? You've Mm. changed. I says, Dad, I've met Jesus. And that was it. And then I just took off. Mm. They should have locked me up for six months because (laughs) I just, yeah, it was, I didn't know what else to do. My daughter said to me, Dad, you can bring Jesus into every single conversation. (laughs) But that's how it was. It's falling in love. Well, you know, when you fell in love with your wife, I mean, Mm. what, did you not tell anybody? Yeah. It's that natural sense of it. That's a question. Who's sitting in the center of your heart? Mm-hmm. And even for believers, yeah. we, we move them out at times, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, right now, for the last couple of years, my word has been, come back to me with all your heart, and I'm still in process. Mm-hmm. Because I see, as I look into myself, motives, whatever else, it's, it's a constant giving. Mm-hmm of the heart to him to get his heart mm. so. do, you, do you know who the first person Brett do you know who the first person who ever did the circle with the throne thing for me was no you really out at uh, when it was still Redeemer Pacific College wow and I just like just uh, I, as he's telling us I was like I've seen it oh my goodness <laughs> in this moment this is like that's probably a sacred like ground man 15 minutes ago uh, 15 minutes 15 <laughs> years ago or something like yeah, that and I was like wow minute. Uh, to think that I'm sitting here. It's and like we're talking a, about it. It's a providential thing. That's neat. And every time I give talks, 
I probably say I would include that whole question, mm. you know, because I just know that there's people sitting out there who they've never had the question asked. Mm. And I think sometimes without having answers, we need to have the right questions. Yeah. Because Jesus asked a lot of questions. Mm. Yeah. Let's, let's jump into what we're hoping to cover today right yeah. away. I think sure. we want to get to a story about evangelization and, um, make Vern seem more human than, than, than <laughs> Brett kind of set him up to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's dive into right away. Like let's segue right into these questions of the heart and they only, we only get to really ask them in prayer. And so today we were, um, we wanted to talk to Vern, Vernon mm. about, um, prayer and the, the life of a disciple, specifically a missionary disciple. So that's kind of where we want to jump in. So feel free to go right into those questions. You know, what are the questions that we ask in our hearts and how does prayer fit into that whole um, equation and, and dynamic? Well, I think when we start off praying, there's a lot of self-involved. I mean, it's like what God can do for me and what he can you know, give me. And that's, that's a, a primary starting point for all of us, I'm sure. But as, as we grow, the main point for me in prayer is that I'm really meeting and spending time in hearing and receiving from God. Like I'm truly encountering him either as Father, if it's at that time, Jesus as Savior, Lord, or the Holy Spirit as the empowerer, the gift giver, the teacher, mm-hmm. you know, the consoler, the comforter, the one who, who actually helps me in prayer. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, first of all, so basically, just get a regular prayer time. Mm. Be faithful to that time and, and work with something that's manageable to you. I'll tell you something. If you could have genuine five to ten minutes, you will experience it. That it, it becomes more than that. It just starts to, to grow and to multiply. Mm-hmm. And when you've got that in your life where you're, you have a, a, an authentic time for prayer, I'd say you can't do... I don't think you can really pray... Uh, without the Word of God. Mm-hmm. The Word of God has to be present. And one thing I'd say to you is, go through the Scriptures, and everywhere Jesus prayed, underline it and pull it out, and then put it all together and look at His prayer life. Because that's where we need to be. We need mm-hmm. to be who He is. And know that you never pray alone. Uh, Jesus intercedes for you. The Holy Spirit helps us. And as Catholics, we believe the Blessed Mother, the angels and saints intercede for us. So know that you're part of a team. You're part of a spiritual nuclear army. That's who Mm. we are Mm. with weapons to change the culture and the world we're in. So have a time. um, Have the Word of God. Be honest with yourself. Praise and thank Him was how I'd start basic prayer. I mean, always start with praise and thanksgiving. Is repentance needed? Like, look into mm-hmm. your heart. What's, what's out of order here, you know? Do you have to give forgiveness? Well, look towards giving forgiveness. Um, the thing I'd say about forgiveness, though, is you cannot forgive anybody by yourself with your own power. Mm-hmm. Jesus is apart from me, you can do nothing. And nothing means nothing in the original languages. Right? <laughs> you can't do it. And we hear talks on it at times, and sometimes it's like, well, I got to go and forgive this person. And they're, they're burdened with that. But you need to turn to Jesus and ask him to do it in you 
with you and through you. So just keeping short kind of uh, accounts of sin in your life, deal with it. If it's serious, get to confession. Have somebody also that you can really go and share your heart with mm. if you're struggling with prayer. You know, if it's, it kind of gets dry, read some good books, but the best book is the scriptures. <laughs> and I would pray, I would get the, and I do this, I, I've just got all the prayers from scriptures, especially for the salvation of loved ones, and pray, pray these prayers. Because when you're praying the prayers, you're hearing the word, that's faith, you're groaning. You're going to get hope from you see what you're, the truth of what you're praying. And then you'll experience a peace that's beyond understanding that will cover your heart and your mind because of the truth of the one you've met praying the word. And peace isn't something. It's a person, Jesus Christ. Hope isn't something for Christians. It's a person, Jesus Christ. Christ in me is my hope of glory. And Christ is the one who is the author and developer of my faith, and he does it in this crucible of prayer. Now, that's a basic kind of starting point. But then you're going to be moved into praying in a prophetic manner. You're going to be moved into praying through crisis situations that come up where God can entrust you to, to join his son in intercession to make a difference in this situation. If you're being called to ministry or led by the Spirit, you'll never be led by the Spirit apart from the Word of God. Oh, yeah, you can get bits and pieces, but it's the Spirit, the Word, that will make you prophetic. And God mm -hmm. leads His people by prophecy. That's how He leads the church. And we participate in the prophetic ministry of Jesus. And unless we can say to people, what's the Lord saying to you now? Because he's, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Mm -hmm. we got to take that to Jesus. Jesus, you got to make me a person that hears your voice. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I don't hear your voice, what voices am I hearing? Right. And the Spirit will bring that through revelation to us as we read the Word. Like in Ephesians, where um, Paul prays for the Ephesians. These are Spirit-filled, tongue-speaking, prophetic, seen extraordinary miracles, people. He passed us them for two and a half, three years. And what does he pray for them in Ephesians? That God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. They know the Lord, but... The, the, Jesus is an ongoing revelation by the Spirit of who He is. And then in Ephesians 3, of course, He prays for them to, to be filled with the Spirit, but to be strong in the inner being. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point of prayer is, are you growing inwardly in your interior life? Is your spirit growing strong? Is your heart being expansive and filled with the love of God? Are you developing trust in the Savior? Do you come to a place of just total surrender to him? And, and in prayer, that's a key, is a just constantly surrendering. Hmm. You know, if you go to adoration, go and sit there. If you if a series of your life need healing, say, Lord, I'm just gonna sit here and let you love me. Hmm. I'm gonna sit here and let you love uh, uh, heal me, Lord. I got no agenda here. Hmm. I was talking to a woman in England a couple of years ago, been abused, and where she was living with this community, they had a chapel because it was part of a convent. And the pain she's sharing, I says, you know what? I took her to the chapel. I says, come in here every day for 10 minutes. Just sit down and ask Jesus to heal you. Mm -hmm. And so I get back to Canada. She emails my friend. She says, tell Vernon it works. <laughs> <laughs> she was up to half an hour. But uh -huh. see, if you start, it grows, right? Yeah. And this is a, it's, it's not complicated. Yeah. I mean, it's. 
you're talking to your father. Yeah, let me let me jump in there. There's you're, you're receiving so much right now. I just want to yeah. kind of slow it down. So, yeah. um, the first thing I kind of hear, and like you can maybe jump in too, is this this idea of we're not. It, some people start talking to God, and I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But what I'm hearing you saying is, you can you can and should address each person of the Trinity. And they have their own appropriation or own things. So like speaking to a father, speaking to a friend and savior, speaking to the Holy Spirit um, and kind of developing uh, intimacy with all three that might have nuances and differences because they are different people. They're one one God, but three persons. And mm. so this is the kind of mm. the first theme I'm I'm kind of unpacking Um the, the other thing that I heard is uh, start small, mm. you know, um, as we're asking people to go out and share their faith, uh, you have to be filled up. Um, you can't give what you don't have. Mm -hmm. You know, we know this is a, a spiritual or biblical principle, you know, and, but start small, you know, the Lord can do amazing things um, when we give him a little bit. You know, and I think that's that's part of it too. I don't know if there's any anything you want to add as well. Oh, well, I have lots to add and lots to ask. Yeah, that's. But maybe you got a response to what yeah. Jason's talking about. Yeah, appropriation of like the Trinity and how how do I start? Well, I think the um, in the life of Christ, He comes to reveal the Father and the heart of the Father. Mm -hmm. So, in a relation with Christ, we really want to be having this heart of the Father that we can, you know, reflect to people. Mm. Well, the Holy Spirit comes in Romans 5, 5, and he says, he's poured the, the love of God into us. I think that's a constant prayer. I think an everyday prayer is, uh, in Ephesians, going back to Paul, when he moves on to chapter 5, he's talking to these people, you know, they're spirit-filled, prophesying, tongue-speaking, extraordinary miracles, all that stuff, but he says, be ever filled with the Spirit. So one of the things in Catholicism, you baptize or confirm, the question is, how much of the Spirit is truly active and empowering and gifting and moving in your life? So it's a constant dependence. I tell people, get addicted to the Holy Spirit, literally. Don't think you're going to do anything apart from Him doing it through you. In the sense of Jesus, I think it's the relationship there is so vast i mean it's mysterious but i would say to get to know him truly in his heart you got to on a regular basis go into the garden mm. he into he did he didn't just invite peter james and john he invited all of us and it's an mm. eternal invitation and he says to mother Cafestina, he says you always consoled my heart in the Garden of Olives. Now, he said this to mm -hmm. a woman who lived in the last century. And he's telling her that she would console this heart 2,000 years ago, retroactively. And how did she console his heart? By praying for sinners. Mm -hmm. Think of that. Mm -hmm. Think of the privilege of the invitation. Think of what the, 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 your presence in the garden with him, praying for sinners, 
is console. I mean, I don't know. Every time I say talk about this, I just mm. it it blows the the brains. You're blowing, this, blowing my mind. This right is now, so this is good. this is the Son of God giving us an opportunity to affect His heart today when it happened when He was there two thousand years ago. Mm. And the simple the simple request is. When you pray for sinners, and if we ain't praying for sinners, mm-hmm. we're not of much good to ourselves or anybody, mm-hmm. because that's the whole battle. It's to win souls. And so with the Father to me, I had a difficult time with my own father relationship, but um, that's been the, the one that I'm growing more and more into. And woundedness and trauma in your life and those things, they really do have... A clear effect on the father, father, beloved son relationship. Um, but I think we just continue to work it through with your own father, whether he's. And I don't mean that you're going to go up and talk to him. But my father and I had a, emotionally there was no connection, and I'll, I'll tell more about his conversion later. But the fact was that, but we cared. We we did the best we could. But I always felt, and he died like 30 years ago, I always felt I'd been cheated. I felt I'd missed out on something. He never, ever saw me play a soccer game, which was my passion. In fact, he used to try to stop me from playing as much as I did. And I went to a retreat, in, in uh, eight-day silent retreat in the States, and um, the director says to me, he says, how was your life growing up? And he says, write your father a letter. Now, my father's been dead like years. Mm-hmm. And so I says to him, okay. So I go back, and I'm jotting down all this information. So the next day I go back, and I says, he says, have you got it? I says, no, no. I says, I'm going to gather the information. I'm going to go back to Vancouver, and I'm going to put it together. He says, Vernon, you're living in your head. Mm. (laughs) He says, get into your heart. You go, write the letter, and bring it. Now, I respond to that directive stuff. Mm. So sure enough, I went. I start writing. I cry. I'd write and I'd cry. Mm. And this was constant, you know, before the last segment. Go back the next day, so you got it? I said, sure. Okay, away you go. Well, 20 seconds and I'm Niagara Falls. I'm just bald. <laughs> I'm a mess. Finally, I get it out. And I can tell you that from that day to this, when I think of my dad, this is what comes out of me. Father in heaven, mm. I thank you for choosing Sandy Robertson to be my father. Because I, I knew his story, but I never had the understanding of what he was missing. You don't, can't give what you don't have. Well, if mm. you've never received what I was looking for from him, he couldn't give it to me. Mm. But my father in heaven could go back in time, and from all the times I didn't get what I needed, affirmation, support, physical hugging which did not happen discipline that would be considered abusive he he just covered all that in mm-hmm. and he brought healing to the whole thing and i just rejoice that he was my dad mm. because god took me through the the process of that healing thing that i can understand it with others and you know just listen so mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know where we're going, but here we go. No, one of the things that's coming the power of the gospel. Yeah, amen. But one of the things that's coming to mind very clear, and it certainly has been my own experience as well, 
is that I think one of the greatest fruits of prayer is that you make yourself available for a real revelation from God. Like we, we know that we have the faculties within us to kind of give intellectual assent to the, to the things of faith and the doctrines mm-hmm. of the faith and the dogmas of the church and all these kinds of things. But in order to really enter into intimacy, we need a revelation from God. And I think one of the things that keeps us, and certainly has in my own experience, keeps us from approaching prayer is kind of these really false, distorted, deficient images that we have of the Trinity that we're going to encounter. So you're talking about your dad. So for a time, you know, that was inhibiting. And it is, I think, for many people. Mm -hmm. Or from, you know, approaching Jesus, who's going to be like angry because we can't get our lust under control or, Mm -hmm. you know, our impatience or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, that's not who shows up in prayer, you know? is the unconditional love mm. of a father mm-hmm. who's there 15 minutes before you even think about praying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Jesus who is, you know, not this distant, you know, pretending to be human kind of God, but he's, he but can empathize with every single thing mm-hmm. that you're going through and yeah. is right there. Like you do not have to strain. He's to not ex- the popular kid you need to impress no, in order to get his things. attention or, yeah. And the Holy Spirit is not a dove. Although, you know, no, <laughs> he's no, made in no. that image in art and all the rest of it. But it's like, this is what, and this is the deep part, I guess, of prayer. But it's like, this is what we desperately need. And I think what we desperately seek in prayer, if we're honest with ourselves, we just want to encounter God. Mm-hmm. And he makes himself available. Well, he is available. Mm. And it's our sense of believing by faith. Yeah. He is. Mm. He is who he says he is. And he is where he says he is, and he wants to do and give what he says he'll do and give. Yeah. And do I have the faith to trust that? Mm. It, it, it comes down to the trust factor. Mm. Do I trust that he is who he is? Is he doing what he's doing? Yeah. I, uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from prayer is like I would, um, I had this nervousness about an authoritarian God the Father. Mm. And so setting up your regular time and things like that, there's just part of me that just bucks that idea. Mm. Um, I know it's good for me, so I don't want, but there's this, this thing within me that doesn't want to be told when and where to pray. Mm. Um, and so this idea of God that was forming, I would struggle to like go to the spot. I usually pray and do that. And then somebody just said, look, okay, as soon as you feel that, invite the Father in and be like, Okay, Father, I can't go pray to that God that I'm setting up over there. I'm just going to pray to you right here mm. in this moment. And it was like a really helpful shortcut into it doesn't have to always, like if I'm struggling to get to the habit, I can, you know, I can approach the Father from wherever I am, whether I'm sitting at the couch and going, I need to get up. I can just invite him right there mm. and then start that, you know. So what are other kind of shortcuts or places that we can go that you would, the, the person who's on this journey and really wants to get to this depth, mm. what are, what's advice or, or things that you can give us, um, in finding the person, you know? I, th- I think it's basically you go to scripture and, um, you could read through what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit and then you engage the Holy Spirit with exactly what you're learning about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And say, Holy Spirit, I need you to do this, whether it's to lead me to truth, um, 
whether it's disclosed to me what I need to hear. Jesus says he'll disclose to you what he hears from me. Um, and engage the Holy Spirit in that way. And I think with Jesus, it's the same. It's, 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 it's looking at him in the word. That's the reality of who he is in the word. And I say this to parents all the time. As about six Gospels, parents come to Jesus on behalf of the children. I mm. says, you need to enter, that as your, enter, enter into that text. See, what was the parent's request? What was the child's condition? What was Jesus' response? And it says, if you can get these things down inside of you, your confidence in Jesus of who he is and what he does will go through the roof. And you need to know mm. he's going to do the same for you You'll do the same for who you're praying for. So then you start encountering Jesus in a facet that's so important to your life, pertaining to your children. Mm. And if, unless you know him, of how he dealt with those significant situations, you're depriving yourself of so much a sense, um, instead of fear, a confident, a confident assurance you can have, which really is faith in him. That the same Jesus who did this for the Syrophoenician's daughter, for the paralytic that the friends brought to him, to the centurion, Lord, come, my son's dying. I mean, the same Jesus mm -hmm. is there for us. So encounter him in that aspect of your life, if that's where you're at. If you're a person who's, um, you know, I love the Hebrews thing. He's a sympathetic high priest who, you know, he, he, he acknowledges our weakness. He, he knows about it. But we can go to him with confidence mm. and assurance that he's there to help in time of need. Have you experienced him like that? Mm. I think we believe, but the development of the inner heart towards who he truly is and the situation you find yourself in is, is, has to get developed by the Spirit in us. But we need, to dis we need to come to that point of recognizing that, man, I need to know him right now in this situation that is, I'm going to experience him in a way I haven't before. You know, my marriage hit a bad spot once. And um, I was busy and stuff, and my wife was, and something had went out, mainly from her side. And, um, and that's not a criticism. It was just, and I blame myself that it had gone out, mm. you know. But it got to the point that I got up at 5 in the morning, and I says, Lord, um, I'm going to meet every day at this time. I'm going to love her without looking for anything coming back. And I mean anything. But Lord, you're going to have to. You're going to have to help me. And I'm desperate. Mm. And so I says, you know, just I need to hear from you, Lord. And the very first day he says to me, he says, I'll take you through this and I'll take care of this. That's a, that should be enough. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Mm. But you're still in process. So I'd write it down. And then I go back the next day. Sometimes I get something, sometimes I wouldn't. I had to live on the, the last word. Mm. But I eventually got a number of things he said to me. And I'd be at work. And then the fear and the vulnerability and my own inadequacy and hopelessness, all these things would start coming. Mm. And I'd go off to the restroom, I'd pull out these cards that I carried and I start reading them mm. and thank praising and thanking him for what he said and what he's doing. And this went on for a few months and it's, it seems as if, although it started quickly, 
one day it just totally turned around. Hmm. And we've been married 50 years coming up in the 6th of September. And we've, there is a heaven, there is a hell, and there is a purgatory. <laughs> and you can experience all these things if you've raised teenagers or, you know, in any kind of relationships. But it was, to me, it was, I'm going to the Father, and I'm crying out to Him and Jesus and expecting to hear. And hopefully by growing through the words He was giving me, and there it was, mm. you know. But, but it's... That's where I say changing your prayer life. Does it, does it, okay, I have a prayer time. Yeah, I prayed today. Kind of devotional maintenance, you know, keeping things kind of in, in order, so to speak. That's good. But when a crisis hits, mm. you know, your son comes home or your daughter comes home or your wife comes home or your husband comes home or, or your boss calls you in or something hits and it's serious and you just have no idea. Mm. You got to move into praying like Jesus prayed, loud cries and tears. Mm. And if you haven't prayed with tears, ask the Spirit to give you the gift. Because praying in tears is so valuable in God's economy. When Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he saw the response, he Mm. says, they didn't recognize the visitation of the Lord. Jesus wept, Mm. broke his heart. Well, when we see the spiritual condition of people that we care and love for, Ask for the grace of tears mm-hmm. that you'd weep over that situation because you know what God does with your tears? He gathers them and he puts them in a bottle. It says, in, I think it's Psalm 56. It's 56, 50, around there. And you know what happens when liquid goes into a bottle and you keep putting it into the bottle? It fills up. Mm-hmm. And I think in God's economy and his grace, when it's filled up with the tears of interceding for the condition of us, he takes it off and outflow the water that flows out of there is living water hmm. into the life of the, the person you're praying for, uh, representing the power of the Spirit to convict them of sin, convert their hearts to Jesus, commit their will to the will of the Father, and connect them to the church for faithful, fruitful, fruitful service. And so it's, it's this praying with a passion, praying with emotion, I was seeing this back, I was in, back in Halifax, and I was seeing this, and one of the priests said, yeah, i got to pray with more emotion. Like, you're not praying about the parish picnic. Mm-hmm. You're not praying about getting a new house or a raise. We're mm-hmm. talking about people's lives. Mm-hmm. And if you're not moved to pray like he prayed, and it's all there for us, walk through those scriptures of his life. Mm-hmm. And that's the place you got to move to in prayer. And I think corporately speaking in the church, I don't know what it is. We've got a lot of form, a lot of order, a lot of prayer. But I'm talking about a body is coming on our faces before God mm-hmm. and literally just crying out. Mm-hmm. And until we do that, I think we're missing something that's fundamental to shifting and moving the kingdom forward. Where we are is as a people and as a church. And God wants, he's taken us there. He wants us to go there. But we can't pray the same way. Mm. You know. Yeah, I feel what's important for us to distinguish as well is, Vernon, this just pours out of you naturally and you can tell that there's years and decades of of this, you know, coming Mm -hmm. out. And, And I just think there's probably people you said, Vernon, you just said hear from the Lord as if it was like a regular thing. 
you know, as if he talks to you every day. And I know that that is true and that's a possibility, but we have people who might be listening that that's not a reality and, uh, or it's few and far between or, you know, um, or there's an expectation that it is like thunder and lightning coming from heaven and, and, you know, striking, um, someone, but give us a little bit of wisdom on confidence to actually hear. Sure. So God speaks to us in a variety of ways. He mainly speaks to us through his word. Mm-hmm. Okay. He speaks to us through, through creation. You know, Romans says uh, it's, ev- it's evidence of God. He speaks to us through the, the church, the teaching of the church. And also, and I have to say this for Catholics, with the word of God, that it would line up with what the, what we're, the church teaches. So the word creation through the church, through one another. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's mm-hmm. we're having a conversation and somebody says something and all of a sudden it's just, and they're not saying, oh, this is from God. Mm-hmm. You're just having a conversation. But what you've heard in that conversation, he speaks just through the circumstances of our lives. And so I think with, with these things, he speaks to us, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Uh, so we can hear his voice. No, we're not hearing the voice audio, but it's a, there's an inner voice. Mm-hmm. There's also an intuition. And I think to get down to it too, there's common sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if we, you know, if, but, God's very practical. And what I want you to be really specific of is like people, you, in order to hear God's voice, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, it requires a degree of interpretation, you know, mm-hmm. to actually look at those things and say, this is what I think I hear Jesus, Holy Spirit, God the Father sure. saying to me and actually beginning to walk that reality of saying, um, my experience in this is that you doubt those things mm. quite often until you've walked with them church, scripture, community, mm, mm. all those things. Um, how can you gain the confidence that your interpretation is this? It's actually a loving God trying to have a regular day-to-day communion with you. Yeah. I would say then, on a day-to-day basis, I don't have a direct pipeline to God or anything like it. I, I'm struggling to hear what he's saying to but I do know when I'm reading his word, there's an awful lot of help there. Mm. That mm. in itself is a formative thing for me. But how do we know, if, is this really from God? I think, first of all, it needs discernment. And you don't want to discern something by yourself if you're married. <laughs> Hopefully, your wife and I can be discerning. But you need people you can go to to talk to, you know, put it before them. That would be one sense. But... Um, on something else, well, I'll give you an example. Uh, my kids were teenagers, very little going on in the church at that time for youth. And um, I'm down at Franciscan University of Steubenville for a conference. I've flown through the night from Seattle. I get in, registration's not open, so I'm in the chapel, I'm praying for an hour. Nothing significant's happened. It's just, it's a time of prayer. I go, registration's still not open yet, so I go back, I kneel down, and I'm fearful. I'm anxious about my kids and what's happening with being teenagers and, you know, so forth. And as I kneel down, this comes to me. Isaiah 44, 1 to 5. 
I have no idea what it is. I open it up and I start to read it. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Mm-hmm. Man, I could have went back to fly to Seattle, get home, because I, whatever else the weekend was going to be, I got it. Right. And it exploded. Mm. Now, how do I know it exploded? It resonated for where I was. It resonated. And any time I would ever think from that point forth about my kids or what they were going through, guess what happens? When the word is spoken to you, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that you have heard. Well, I'd heard it. It resonated. Anytime I thought, what did the Spirit do? He'd bring to my remembrance. Just like when I was praying through the marriage situation. When I would start thinking, I'd go and I'd look. He's, the Spirit would bring to my remembrance the power of the Word. Now, now I'm at a place where I can have faith and trust in God to bring the Word to pass. Spend time with Him and listen. And be prof- plead for the gift of prophecy. Not so much like, thus saith the Lord, uh-huh. but with prophetic insight to the people He's placed in your life in situations where you have a power of influence to bring about what the, the word of the Lord is, 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 meant, is being sent forth to do. And uh, with spiritual gifts, two things. Don't be ignorant and eagerly seek them. Mm. And the, the gifts are really, they're, they're not for you. Well, the sanctification gifts in Isaiah are for us to grow up in you know, holiness, God's grace. But the, the charisms are to serve others. Mm-hmm. And when we, see, when we see a missionary disciple, my question to everybody, what's your mission? And my mission is to fulfill Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship in Christ who has prepared beforehand works for Vernon to do. Mm. But he's prepared. And I need to discover those things. I need to discern what is it, where is it? And as I do that, I'm fulfilling the mission he's placed me into. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, or leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think. 